Welcome to the PWE and Me podcast, a place where we talk about the workplace, how it's changing, and ways that we can create an experience at work that is inspiring, real, and motivates us to bring our best self to work. PWE, what is it? Well, it's an acronym for Purposeful Workplace Experience. I'm on a mission to help our workplaces shift from being transactional to transformational, and PWE is how we will get there. My name is Carolyn Suara, your host and creator of PWE. Another exciting PWE and Me podcast is ready to get started, and I am so pleased today to be joined by somebody on the other side of the world where it is winter. It's actually morning where he is right now. Please welcome Mark Labusque, the human manager, to the show. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for having me, Carolyn, and um, it's great to uh, be part of this amazing podcast. Yeah, well, thanks, Mark. So we met um, a few months ago at, at the Work Human Conference, and uh, we won't get into all the details about how we went to a John Cougar Mellencamp uh, concert together, or sorry, John Mellencamp concert together. Uh, but we had some pretty fascinating uh, discussions around workplace culture and really this notion of being human in the workplace. And it only made sense for me to have you on this podcast um, around creating purposeful workplace experiences, because at the essence of that is is being human. So let's hear a little bit about what you have on the go, how you came to, to bring this idea of being human into all that you do. Yeah, thank you. Um, First of all, yeah, look, um, Nashville was a blast. I, I really enjoyed my time there. And uh, meeting you in the, the John Mellencamp concert was, was amazing. I still um, listen listening to his music today. Um, a bit about the backstory, I guess. Um, for me, I had been in the corporate uh, space for about 25 years. And um, about the last 10 years in there, I really started to question what it was about the system that was pushing us more to a transactional way of um, building relationships um, and, and losing that sort of human connection. So around about eight years ago, Carolyn, I ran an experiment with my team at the time, a team of um, high-level sales um, executives, and the question that I asked for the experiment was, what would happen if I treated my people more like human beings? And um, for about two years, I, I literally unlearned what I'd been taught about how to manage human beings and and I started the experiment by experimenting on myself and changing my mindset around things like trust and uh, you know creating a, um, a a stronger sense of purpose for myself and for my team and, and that sort of rolled into a whole lot of different things that, um, that over two years did three things I think the first one was the the employees and the humans in my team were happier they were certainly more engaged in um, in spending a bit more of their discretionary effort, that little 1% stuff. And then finally, I say this finally, our business results ended up in excess of 200% ahead of our sales targets two years in a row. And so I sort of thought to myself, I'm onto something here and have now literally taken that experiment and turned it into a what I call the human manager experience where I'm working these days with managers at all levels in organisations and helping them to to get back connected to what it is to be human for themselves and how they can then take that into the workplace. It's, um, 
it's quite exciting. So I'm curious to hear, I mean, you were being human before you embarked on this experiment. So could you describe what you were like before and how, like what, what, what did being human mean? Okay. So, um, being human to me, and I, I must say, I wasn't always like this. When I, in my, I say there's two versions of Mark, the manager. There's a there's a very young Mark who was promoted beyond his level of competency because he was technically good at what he did. He was then put in charge of human beings, and he, and he was I was a I was a rotten manager. I was very very I was very very bad to my people. I was serving myself. My intentions weren't always pure. Um, and I was making sure that I looked good in front of my boss. So not proud of that, but I think some good lessons in how to manage come from your bad experiences as well. This being human, it really came back to, um, I guess, getting out of my head and getting into my heart and into my gut and thinking, mm-hmm. well, uh, taking it from thinking to feeling and starting to bring in some of the elements, the human elements that I think we tend to leave at the front door when we get to work, like um, being vulnerable. Um, I know, you know we're both big fans of Brene Brown, but the ability for me to start to to show vulnerability to my people that I didn't have all the answers. Um, the other thing with uh, being human is about trusting that people turn up with good intention right. to do good work. Um, a big piece was around changing my mindset from I'll trust you when you do good work for me and you show me you're capable to I actually trust you um, as a good human being who turns up here to to contribute and do good work and I'm gonna I'm gonna offer you that trust without having you needing to deserve you know winning my trust in some way um, now if they just sound like words but um, you know, those things were really, really challenging to do because I was actually putting myself at risk stepping away from, you know, hiding behind my technical proficiency and opening myself up. And, and as I like to call it at times, bearing my throat hmm. um, and wondering whether or not someone would, you know, nuzzle into me or attack me. Right. And, and it sounds like there was more nuzzling than attacking. It was certainly more nuzzing. Funnily, funnily though, Carolyn, this might be an interesting point if some listeners are thinking about, you know, taking this approach. For the first three months, I wouldn't say I was attacked, but there was a few of the people in my team because I, I think I made too many changes too quickly. There were a few people in my team that maybe weren't attacking me, but they weren't nuzzling me. They were they were standoffish, right. I guess. And, um, and, and I think what I learned from that is, actually tried to change too much too quickly yeah and and in some respects i think i um i scared some people off but but over time you know if i look at six to nine months in um you know the relationships between myself and my team and the relationships between our team and the relationships with my team and other parts of the organization um changed significantly because we we started to look at how we chose to turn up rather than the work that we were doing. So, I mean, it's so it's so fascinating. It, it sounds so simple in some ways, um, yet 
it's it's really hard to put yourself out there and and you use that big v word uh, that vulnerability word which uh for the record let's just clarify that being vulnerable uh just means being unsure of what the or being oh um comfortable with not knowing what the outcome will be uh, as Brene says you know being vulnerable doesn't mean sharing live tweeting out your bikini wax so you de- you decided so something shifted for you obviously that made it made you be more comfortable with being vulnerable. So how, how could we help people who are listening to help them take a step towards making that shift? Because we're making it sound pretty simple right now. Absolutely. Look, this is a really, um, a really great question. I think that um, you've got to allow people to step into this um, at a rate that they're comfortable to do that at. And what I mean by that is some people will... Um, Let's, let's use, the, um, I guess, the analogy of, or metaphor of like getting into a swimming pool. Um, some people will want to just dip their toe in mm-hmm. into the water. Some people will want to step onto the first step and feel a little bit uncomfortable, but then they'll, they'll cope with that, then they'll step onto the second step and then they'll feel uncomfortable and then, then they'll sort of make their way into the pool. And others might just want to jump in, you know, and you know, share the story of the bikini waxing that you said. And um, I think that... The, the big lesson for your listeners is you've got to allow, first of all, yourself to to enter that pool, which is the pool of vulnerability, right? Um, in the way that is most comfortable for you. And then secondly, um, you need to, I think you need to go first. If you are in a management situation um, or even in a team situation, I think your ability to go first and demonstrate to people that, when, when you do bear your throat or you show some vulnerability that, you know, I always say to, my, to people in my training programs, someone was just vulnerable and, you know, a, a, a roof tile didn't drop down and land on their head. They're, they're still here. Yeah. Um, so allowing people to also see that when you're vulnerable that, you know, bad things don't happen. Um, but I really think this point about letting people step into it in a way that, feel safe for them. And the other thing is this, Carolyn, is that vulnerability is neither a competition or a KPI. Right, right. So let's let's not treat it like it's a – if someone tells a story, we don't go, oh, I can't tell a story now because that story is better than my story or we, we shouldn't count how many times we're vulnerable in a, in a week, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. Yeah, we need to, it's, well, we're back to coming from the heart, right? You got to do what feels right and, and, and kind of maybe trust your intuition a little bit too. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the other things that we've lost in, in, I think, a more transactional and mechanical workplace today is we seem to have parked our intuition and our gut feeling at the front door. And we walk, we walk in with our logical, logic's important, but we walk in just with our logical, call it our uh, game face, our corporate game face on, and we leave the intuition and we leave those things behind. And I, I, I really encourage managers to step back into their intuition and their gut. And trust and, themselves. And com- yeah, and combine that with their um, logic, but don't always allow logic to to get to the finish line first. Yeah, yeah it's an and. It's not an or, right? It's an and. Absolutely. So, so what happened then? So you uh, were being more vulnerable. Relationships with your team strengthened. It sounded like your your performance went up. What about the relationship with your boss? Did your did your manager notice a difference? And what was their reaction? 
okay, this is a, this is a um, this is a really interesting one. I was fortunate at the time to have a, I'd say, a, a, a quite a supportive boss, and and I know this can be challenging if you don't have someone that supports you. Mind you, there was one moment where he asked me to write my um, twelve month strategic plan. And I sent him back a note that said, and this was my plan, Carolyn, was that um, my people, this is what I wrote back, my, my strategic plan is that my people will be happy and will have fun. And that's all I, that was my plan. Wow, what was and the response back? It was a pretty quick um, f- pick up of the phone and that's not a plan. And I said, well, you just need to trust me because if I can create an, um, an environment where it's all right to have fun, um, I can tell you that we're going to be successful, and and literally, that's that's sort of where it worked from. And, and I've got to say, he gave me some space to to practice the things that I was saying to him that were really important. If I could build deeper connection and a stronger sense of belonging, I was saying to my boss, we will absolutely smash our targets. And and literally at the end of the day, in year one, we were two hundred and thirty eight percent ahead of our targets. Wow. And in year Year two, they tripled my target, and we, we actually beat our triple target by nearly 200% again. And, you know, we often laugh about that today, um, my old boss and I, but uh, he gave me some space to do that. So I think, you know, again, if you're listening to this and if you're managing other managers, um, there's a level of not knowing in this as well. That's back to what you said about the definition of, definition of vulnerability is that, I didn't know what was going to happen and there were times when I was wondering if I made the right call here but my intuition was that if we do this that the results will come and ultimately my boss and his boss and our organization will be happy. Right. Now, so you're giving an example. I had the complete opposite. I was told once, Carolyn, stop worrying about the people. We know you're good at that. We need you to be strategic now and drive like drive business results. And I, my jaw dropped to the floor. I said, "Don't you, like, don't you get it? That's that's how I that's how I am strategic. That's how I do drive the business." So, you know, I think it, it comes back to follow your heart, surround yourself with good people. And frankly, if you're working in, in an environment where the system is not supporting being human or or tapping into that creativity through vulnerability, then then I think it's time to look around and find a new job. Yeah, look, I think um, life's too short, and I, um, I'm actually speaking with a client right at this moment, and, and keep everything names and everything out of it. But this is our this is our conversation, and I've um, basically finished the conversation by saying, you know what you need to do now. Um, you, you shouldn't be looking for me to to tell you that it's time for you to move on. You know yeah. that, um, and that sometimes that's the case, and you know that's why I find myself where I am today. I work with an amazing organisation, um, Australia Post, with our, our, um, you know, our postal carrier. And I was with them for 11 years and they were great to me. Um, but it sort of just came to a time where um, I didn't feel that you know, my value set and the value that I was bringing was, was um, aligning to, to the businesses. And yeah, hence I'm here today talking to you on a podcast, uh, running a business about humanising workplaces. So I think Sometimes you've got to make that um, that courageous call, and as as you've done as well, and step out into the world and find your voice and yeah. 
know, yeah, absolutely. And so, so now I know you, you, so you left that, you left that job, you had great success, you started doing your own thing. And I believe there's a big, there's a big challenge that you're putting out there. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, look, it's, I'm really excited. We're launching um, in June 2019, and it's called the 50-Day Humanovation Challenge. And um, you know, that's a bit of a made-up word, humanovation. It's taking into account the simple idea that innovation, whilst it's important in, the, in an organisation, innovation is usually facing outwards. It's the things that we're doing, and I use that word doing in the business. And... What humanovation is about is is looking back towards yourself and it brings the being component into things. So what I'm asking uh, human beings to do for 50 days, we go past the sort of 21-day habit-changing piece, I'm extending that out, is to to simply um, register on the platform, which will be uh, launched in about uh, two weeks' time. And... And for 50 days, they'll go in each day. They'll be prompted um, by the by the platform to enter a word, on, and the word will be about how do I choose to be today. So it might be I choose to be, be bold. I might choose to be courageous. I might choose to be provocative. Um, but getting people to become more intentional about the fact that we're human beings who have become human doings, and what I'm trying to help people understand is, is if we get the being component back into our um, into our makeup that the doing happens much more intentionally and much more productively so um, launching in June and whilst I say it's a 50-day challenge um, it won't finish in 50 days if you join up two weeks after it starts you will still be in that thing for 50 days and I'm getting some really really um, good good vibes from around the globe at the moment that you know it's time for us to put the being back into to being human. Yeah, I think a lot of people can connect with that because it just seems like we're not connecting the same way we used to and like firing off an email or a text message when, you know, even just five years ago, we'd get up and walk over and, and talk with somebody or pick up the phone. Uh, so I just, I love, I love, 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 love what you're doing. And uh, I'm hoping that anyone who's listening to this will go sign up and do it. Um, now, when this gets aired, I'm hoping it's closer to the beginning of June, but even if it isn't, whatever day it might be for you right now, please go sign up and join this um and and mark how can they where do they go what's the url what do they need to do so it's www.humanovationchallenge.me all right and, and then there's not like an australian way to spell humanovation is there like is um, there <laughs> it's it's like h-u-m-a-n-n-o-v-a-t-i-o-n i hope my accent works there but uh, yeah that was good that was good that's, um, <laughs> That's, uh, that's where they'll go. And they'll go in there. And look, the really interesting thing with the platform, and we've had it designed in a way that um, each day it's going, to, um, it's going to use some algorithms in the background that will, it will actually show up the most popular word for being on that day from everyone that's, that's joined. Um, you can also register your business as well, and we'll be able to give you some data that will say that, you know, for... For Carolyn's business, that um, today there were 1,500 words, and these were the most. This was all the words, but here were the most popular ones. So, giving something back to the user as well, rather than just uh, feed information in and get nothing back in return. We also have an ability for for, for our um, participants to shoot a short video 
um, if they'd like just explaining here's my word for the day and here's why I chose it to upload it so people from around the world can be inspired by what others are doing. That's fantastic. And so it's humanovation.me, um, M-E. Humanovationchallenge.me. All right, humanovationchallenge.me. So I'll make sure that I put that in the in the link when we when we put up this podcast. And and so, Mark, what what inspired you then to take it to that level? Um, I, I get inspired by um, the ability for me to influence and and serve other human beings. So you know. What I've seen happen with this, I started this humanization challenge as something that was part of my two-day human manager experience that I that I run here, which is a bit of a leadership development program. And and when we start the program on day one, they all get a little A5 pad and they get asked, before we start doing things today, how are we going to choose to be? And and what I've found happen is this this is the people who attend then they share that message with the people back in their business and it starts to change the way people think. And and then as I've travelled now, I get to go overseas now and do some work overseas. I'm seeing the same thing. So, you know, I want to bring this I want to bring this message to the world and I want to be able to, in some respects, say that this is something that was able to influence the way that we work in the future so that... Um, the work becomes, like you said before, less of the transactional and via email and that, and more of the human to human connection. You know, and I, I look at that and I think about how how we've connected. The fact that we're talking again now after meeting for the first time in um, Nashville. in Nashville is that we've chosen to be open to the dialogue rather than closing ourselves off and going, "Hey, that was good," but you know. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. much transactionally there. So, how do we, how do we, or how do I help others to to change that mindset? I think that's the big thing for me. Brings back a sense of connection, brings back a strong sense of belonging, and I think they're the two things that really drive me, Carolyn. Is how do I help people build deeper connection and a stronger sense of belonging in their workplace? Yeah, and and that's I mean that's probably why we got along so well um, because that is fundamental to. Um, my PWE and me concept, which is connection is at the heart of creating great experiences. So we are absolutely aligned there. And I think the more that we can share that message with people and let them know that, hey, we need to do this stuff in the workplace, because that's the only way we're going to manage through all the chaos and volatility and uncertainty that's out there. There's, you know, there's really no other way to do it. We can't keep relying on what work 10 you know, even five years ago. No, and um, and look, uh, you know, we are we, we know we're a tribal species. We we have formed family groups, and we and, and you know, work is like a family group. Yep. Um, and for some reason, we tend to, I think, be encouraging more social isolation than social connection in the workplace in a whole lot of different ways. Um, and. You know, your point about connection is is absolutely spot on. Is that we need to give permission for human beings in or in workplaces to feel that they can spend time connecting, rather than just, I say, complying, or just contributing to an output. Yeah. Yep. 
I was I was speaking to uh, a GM at a health club, uh, and she'll be on the podcast as well if if you haven't heard it already. Um, and she does something at the beginning of every meeting, um, and she just called it you know being real. Uh, you know, in in your word, it's being human. In mine, it was creating connection. Uh, but the point of the matter is, at the beginning of every meeting, they do something fun together. Uh, and sometimes it's playing headbands. Sometimes it's, uh, going out and she, she talked about going out and finding all the fire extinguishers, but something that was human connected people and had nothing to do with the business. And it's just a fundamental, a fundamental way that she runs every single meeting. And, and I think, wow, how marvelous is that stepping into a meeting and having fun first and that kind of makes you feel ready to jump in and dive into some business and yeah. challenges afterwards. So I thought that was a really cool example of how regular everyday people make that concept come to life. Yeah, look, I agree. I used to, um, I sort of flipped around the two words enjoyment and achievement when I had my last team. And what I would uh, sometimes start a meeting with was, what have you enjoyed at work this week? Mm. Um, and then what have you achieved outside of work this week? And usually the, those two words, enjoyment and achievement, are achievement at work and enjoyment outside of work. And it was really interesting, Carolyn, to observe um, how challenging it was initially for the people to think about enjoyment in work and achievement outside of work. But once they started to, to share, the enjoyment at work was based around connection. It was I built a connection with someone and I was either able to help them or they were able to help me to solve something that I wouldn't have been able to do on my own. And and then achievement outside might have been, hey, I didn't achieve something, but hey, one of my kids, you know, they won the they won the final in something or they, they got an award. And that actually in some ways built connection as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that out. And I love how you flipped the achievement and enjoyment um, into the opposite of what we're used to talking about, right? Yeah, you want to watch the faces of the people when you do it. Just the, <laughs> it's just there's this moment where they go, "Hang on a minute, that's not how it's supposed to be." Did somebody but, correct you? I did some. No, Mark, you've got that wrong. It should be the other way around. I didn't. They didn't need to say any words. I could see it on their faces. It's like, <laughs> "Hang on, no, no, no. Well, you, 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 you don't get this." <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Now, um, I know that you also, uh, besides bringing this great uh, human um, innovation challenge to the world, uh, you also uh, have a book out there called Being Human, correct? I, I do, yeah. I published it um, about two years ago now. And, yeah, look, it's been it's been interesting. It's sold, sold pretty well. I don't really chase up numbers and whether it's a bestseller and that, but it's sold in 17 countries now. And, um and I'm getting some really good feedback from people saying, hey, this is a really simple, practical read, but there's some great things in here for me that I've used in the workplace. And they've actually, they've worked and they've, and they've sort of worked against some of my, my thought process about how, how I should be managing. So, yeah, look, it's, um, it's on Amazon um, for those people that are overseas. I um, also sell, I keep copies here to, in Australia and try and sign everything I can that I send out. but really excited about it and I've got another one coming out later this year which is which is called the pocket book of human and it literally is a, it's a pocket sized book that will just have some little tools and tips in there for managers um, to help them maybe navigate their way through some challenging situations so 
Yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun to do that. And and so uh, can you tell us a little bit about Frankie? Because I know it confused the heck out of me at first. Because I didn't know who yeah. it until I was following you on social media. And then we met in, in Nashville. I'm like, who's Frankie? Is, like, is he married to Frankie? <laughs> okay, so Frankie uh, is a robot um, in the book Being Human. And Frankie's story is really based around my story when I ran that experiment I spoke about a bit earlier that um, – Moving from being a robotic-style manager to flicking a switch, and then you see on the in the book there's a little switch on Frankie, and it's been flicked to human. And um, so, really, the story of Frankie is the story of the experiment that I ran, and and some of the challenges that Frankie faced, um, particularly from his peers, and also from some of the senior managers who, at one stage, said to Frankie who was me, we really like your results, but we don't particularly like the way you go about getting them yet. Um, mm. You seem to be you seem to be smiling all the time. You seem to be having fun. You seem to be out having coffees with people and you seem to you don't you're not out selling things. And um, and so Frankie's um, retort to that was that what I'm doing is building deeper connection and a stronger sense of belonging. And from that base and the basis of building in trust, um, we're going to see the results go through so, the roof. So say that part again. You cut out. So Frankie, you've been out selling Frankie. Yeah, so so basically, you know, Frankie, you should, you, you're out having coffees with people. You're out, um, you know, you're smiling all the time. You don't seem to be stressed enough. Um, and you really should be out there, you know, selling things because you're in sales. And, uh, and Frankie's response was, I'm not in the role because I'm good at selling. I'm in the role because I'm good at allowing human beings to be human in the workplace. Um, so it sort of goes into the – there's a little fable in there and a story about Frankie, and then the book goes deeper into the experiment and into some of the practical and simple tips that um, I can, and tools I can give to the readers that they can go back and use them in the workplace. Oh, good. Yeah, we're having a bit of problems there. Cut out again. Um, can you just repeat that part around what you put in the book about the simple tools and, and practical yeah, pieces? Yeah, sure. sure. Okay. Yeah, so, um, you know, really after the um, after the little fable about Frankie, um, I then go into sharing with the readers just my simple and practical tools and tips um, to be able to humanise your approach to a business and ultimately – you know, drive up sustainable, improved business results. Right. And, you know, and, and obviously that's going to lead you into the, that's what led you into your second book about, about the pocketbook, the, about being human in the workplace, yeah, right? absolutely. And, you know, what I've done there is I've interviewed um, about 40 people from around the world. And what I've asked them to, to give, share me a story about something that they've done in the organisation that is a human act of leadership purely coming from, you know, the heart and not necessarily something that's going to get them a tick on their performance scorecard, but they did it not because it was to serve them, but it was to serve others. So sharing those stories and hoping, inspiring others, um, sharing some more tools and things I've built over the last four or five years. And then the last part of the new book, there's a section called I Told You So's, and it's the things that we all know and they're intuitive, but we actually park them aside it's a bit like when you hire someone who's toxic and you know you shouldn't have hired them but you hire them and then things go wrong so what i say is one of my i told you so's carolyn is don't hire toxic people right 
we all know that, but we tend to keep doing it. So, you know, simple things, just simple messages. I'm trying to keep it as real as I can. Yeah, well, it sounds it sounds great. I mean, in some ways, it's it's a sort of a sad state of humanity that we're having to remind people to be human. But I think I think really where I go with it, instead of thinking that it's sad, I think it's it's just it's an, an indication that we need to shift what we're doing. It worked for many years to be mechanical and focus on efficiency. I mean, it drove us through a couple industrial revolutions. But we're in the fourth industrial revolution now, and that ain't going to work here. So, you know, we, we've become accustomed to it. So I think, uh, again, it's, it's just fabulous the work that you're doing and bringing that message out. And, and I hope that it does encourage people to bring that piece of them that is there. It just sometimes gets pushed down, right? It doesn't get rewarded. And we think, oh, well, we better hide it. So I love, I love what you're doing and bringing, bringing that into the world. Yeah, look, I think um, you make a really good point here. I do also talk about in the first book that, you know, the 100-year-old management system introduced in 1916, um, it served its purpose at a particular point in time and it was highly transactional work and it was, you know, production line work and, and we didn't have the technology and the, and the ways to do things that we have today. And, and also say this, there are still some of the, the old management system that is appropriate for today's elements of it. But we need to move away from the whole idea that we promote people based upon their technical proficiency. Yeah. And then we put them in charge of human beings. And, and, and even for people to think about this is some, some human beings actually just want to be technically proficient and do technical work. And that's okay. But we promote them because there's no other way to reward them. And then they, they're in charge of people and they fail. So to your point, we need to be more, um, we need to be smarter about the way we make decisions on who manages human beings and who manages technical work and, and, and whether or not we've asked that question. I think that's a big, uh, a big lesson for, for all organisations today. Stop promoting people because they're good at what they do. Promote them because they're inspired to help other human beings. Well, and and I think it also is is incumbent upon each of us to know that take that chance, take that risk, um, be vulnerable, and and lead people from your heart and your head. That's something that I did. I remember very distinctly going against I was a sales manager at the time, and I I didn't subscribe to the same. Um, process that everyone else was, which is you need to spend at least a day and a half with every rep that you had. And I just thought that just doesn't feel right. Like I want to be connecting with everybody way more often than that. And so I started doing half day coaching sessions instead. And then it got to like, I was coaching three people and doing work with, with three different people in a day. And I didn't tell anyone I was doing it but my team knew it and mm. it was, it would, it was, uh, it worked really well. I mean, we, we ended up going on top performer trips and, and that was my first taste of, you know what, Carolyn, you're onto something and don't let somebody else tell you how to be human with others. Um, so, you know, I love it. as I got into other roles though, I have to say it became, it became harder. And, and I think that's something I want the listeners to, realizes, you know, sometimes the system can put roadblocks in your way and it doesn't mean you have to stop. It doesn't mean that you can't 
be human with someone else and connect with them. Like there's no system that's going to stop you from asking how the day is or starting off a meeting and having a bit of fun. And, and I mean, you at least have control over that. Yeah, there's a couple of things just perhaps to add there um, on, on a great point that you raise. Um, the thing that I was most proud of in, the, in my KPIs and in my own measures that I set for myself was that over two years, I spent 39.55% of my time um, with my people. And that wasn't out on the road and doing the technical. It was actually one-to-one coaching, the one-to-one catch-ups each week, our group getting together each month and just you know, connecting and doing that. So I got almost two days a week I spent the time face-to-face with my people. And I think that's what drove what you talked about before. You get to go on those, you know, reward trips because because you're onto something. And then the second thing is you will go through your career where, you know, with all the change that goes on today where your boss can change very quickly and you might move from someone who's mildly supportive of this to ultra supportive of this to then someone who says I don't care about the people I just want you to get your number and I think the lesson I learned here was I needed to stay as close to my authentic core as I could and not move away from that because if I did then I would start to turn up as some sort of um, I don't know what the word is for that Um, someone who uh, people my people were trying to second guess who I was on any particular day so there's a level of resilience that comes with doing this work. It is hard work. and But I'm going to use – I always try and use these three words that I told myself and I tell other people that I coach today is you've got to be able to hold your nerve. When when you feel like the world's against you in the corporate space and you know it's not working, hold your nerve to your human way because it's ultimately the right way to be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mark, I think we could continue to talk for hours and hours. Uh, and and I know your day is just starting there in Australia, and it is dinner time for me. In fact, you might have heard my stomach growl a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did. So um, so we will we'll close off this podcast. And uh, again, let's. Uh, can you just throw out that website, uh, that URL again, for the Human Innovation Challenge? Yeah, sure. So www.humanovationchallenge.me. All right. Well, I know I'm going to go there. It starts June 3rd. So whenever you're listening to this, feel free to go on uh, and and sign up and and let's let's see where that takes us. I'm really excited to hear how that goes and how the rest of the year goes. And you know what? I think maybe we should have you on as another guest uh, later on in the year and and hear how all those things go. Yeah, fantastic. And look, I think I'm going to be over your way in September, so I'm looking forward to another human-to-human catch-up as well. Well, that sounds good. And who knows what concert will be in town when you're here. (laughs) Well, I'm sure there'll be something on that we can go to. Great to be part of this. Thanks, Carol. All right, so we're going to close off. Thanks to everyone for listening to another episode of PWE and Me, and we'll see you on the next episode. Interested in hearing more about PWE? Well, I'd welcome you to buy my book, Rules of Engagement, Building a Workplace Culture to Thrive in an Uncertain World. 
I share stories, personal and professional, about different elements of PWE. And it's available on Amazon or on Indigo. Thanks to all of you out there. This is why we do this. This is why we have this conversation. We look forward to being with you again on our next PWE and Me podcast. Now, the best way you can hear us is to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. And if you don't like either one of those two, you can always go to my website at carolynsuora.com.